and indeed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you, musicians. Thank you for the privilege of beginning this year in God's house. Praise his holy name. Would you, church family, turn in your Bibles now to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. And I want to share a very important message entitled, What I Wish For You. This is part two. If you want to hear part one and you didn't, you can go to the uh, rosewoodchurch.ca website and hear the first part. And this second message is not dependent upon the first, but it certainly follows much of the truth that I shared initially. So we have the incredible story here of Joseph where we read, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. By the way, did you have a brother or sister that sometimes reported to your parents some of the naughty things you used to do? Yes? Oh, all right. Uh, Mom, your daughter was honest. <laughs> uh, verse 3. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. That's sad. One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. Verse 10, this time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. And when he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for, he asked. 
I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes, what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. Let's pause right there in terms of our scripture reading. My friends, today I want to talk with you about a subject matter that really is about progressing. Progressing in your life and mine in terms of something that will add so much value and be such a great help and blessing to your life. Take a look at this little video to begin with. Are you moving yourself right off the carpet? <laughs> Paxton, where are you going? You're going to stick to the floor. Let's uh, see it again for those of you who missed the point here. Are you moving yourself right off the carpet? <laughs> Paxton, where are you going? You're going to stick to the floor. <laughs> well, as some of you know, that's our little five-month-old grandson, Paxton Stavropoulos, who is at that stage. I saw him do this just this past week, and his mommy happened to record it. I saw it because she made this little video. And as I saw this little video, I thought, here's a little boy, my grandson, wanting to progress at this stage in his life. He doesn't want to just lie there anymore. He wants to move forward. He wants to make make progress. And what I want to say to us today is, I wish, I wish for you a desire to serve and help people. I want to encourage us to progress this year, especially in this area of having a desire to serve and help people. And I'm sure that you have picked up that this truth came to my mind, especially when we come to the part of the story about Reuben. Let's read, it, read just the two verses again together out loud from the big screen. But when Reuben heard of their scheme to kill Joseph, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. 
Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into the empty cistern, a big hole, here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. I wish for you a desire for all of us to serve and help people throughout this new year when opportunity is given. Obviously, we see Reuben here taking steps to help his brother at a critical time in Joseph's life. And just before we get to Reuben, I want to share these quotes with you from Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin said, No one is useless in the world, in this world, who lightens the burden of someone. Isn't that good? No one is useless in the world who lightens the burden of someone else. Question is, will you and I lighten someone's burden during the course of this year? Albert Schweitzer said, I don't know what your destiny will be, but... One thing I do know is the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. So true, so true. Martin Luther King Jr. said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. Isn't that beautiful? So, my friends, focus with me on this very important subject of serving and helping one another, serving and helping people. To begin with, number one, be a Reuben. Be a Reuben. Brother Reuben was, as the Bible says, secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. Now, hopefully, you and I will never be in a situation where you have to rescue a family member from other family members who are wanting to kill him or her. But it's possible that there will come a day when you will save someone's life by responding quickly and doing, for example, chest compressions on someone who is having a heart attack or by calling 911 or by rushing someone to the hospital. That, or those are some of the ways in which you might be a Reuben. Your quick actions, your quick actions during an emergency can make the difference between life and death for someone. Whether it is a family member, a coworker, a fellow student, a neighbor, or someone here at church. Emergency situations can be scary, and you almost have to kind of program yourself. This is what I want to encourage you to do. You almost have to kind of tell yourself, program yourself to do what needs to be done, even though you may not feel like it. Because sometimes when there's an emergency, there's a tendency to almost want to run away or to almost freeze up. Occasionally, there will be a need for you to help in emergency situations. But more often, you will have opportunities to serve and help someone in very ordinary ways. Help not only family members and friends, 
but also help strangers and even people who are a pain to you. This is what God tells us, Exodus 23, verse 5. It's on the screen there. Let's read it in unison, Exodus 23, verse 5. If you see that the donkey of someone who hates you has collapsed under its load, do not walk by. Instead, stop and help. Stop and help. All right? Now I want to say thank you for helping the needy and the poor in the past, the present, and in the future. Proverbs 19, 17 says, If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. Isn't that beautiful? I want to thank the many of you who helped the needy and poor over this past Christmas season. Some of you helped a family in need by giving them money. Others of you helped bring non-perishable food for people that could use it. Some of you prepared food baskets for various families. Some of you prepared a lovely Christmas dinner, brought it to the church and invited needy people from the community and refugees to come and enjoy a lovely dinner and program. And then you presented them with some wonderful gifts. I want to express appreciation to our dear sister and friends who invested their time and, 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 and money in that wonderful way. The Bank of Montreal, inspired by one of our ladies who works there, donated a lot of brand new toys, which Pastor Lisa was able to hand out to children in our community. Then many of you contributed to our missions love offering that we referred to earlier, the missions love offering for Cuba. And the Cuban people and churches, as most of you know, are very poor. And you helped us raise over $8,000, which will be a, a huge help to the Cuba Seminary, Cuba Nazarene Seminary, and the Lagunera Church, our sister church down in Cuba. And our ladies' group planned a caroling, beautiful caroling over at a nearby senior's home in early December. And after the caroling, as the ladies have done for many years, they handed out nice little gifts to the residents as a little blessing. And I'm sure many of you put in donations in the Salvation Army kettles found in many stores and other places during the Christmas time. In December, I think my my five-year-old grandson went grocery shopping with me at least two times, maybe three times. It's interesting, I find that when he goes with me grocery shopping, my bill usually ends up being about twice what it normally is. He says, Papa, Papa, I, I need this, and I need that, and Papa, Mommy needs, Mommy needs this, and Mommy needs that. Do you know where it is, Yanni? Yes, Papa, I'll show you, you know. So uh, as we were leaving the grocery store, uh, I saw a man standing uh, with the Salvation Army kettle just inside the grocery store. I explained to my grandson that the man was collecting money so that the Salvation Army Church can help more people. And uh, I gave my grandson some money, and I said, Yanni, when we go by that man, when we pass him, please put this money in the kettle so the Salvation Army can help more people. And obviously I was wanting to make a little contribution to the Salvation Army ministry, but I was also doing what? I was trying to, to teach our kindergarten grandson to develop 
concern for people in need. Amen? And even before December started, many of you filled, you filled up those shoe boxes with gifts which were sent to children in needy world areas. So thank you. Thank you to the many of you who helped people in need over the past couple of months. And for the many of you who will help people in this forthcoming year, praise God. Let's continue. Let, amen. Go ahead. All right. Let's continue to be a Tabitha. Acts 9.36 says, There is a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. So let's continue, my friends, to be a Tabitha, to be a Reuben in this new year. There are obviously many ways by which you can help someone. And some of you on Sundays use your vehicle to bring people to church. Thank you. And I want to encourage even more, more of us to help people with transportation to and from church as needed. I want to thank our church van drivers who each Sunday morning wake up extra early to come to the church and to brush off the snow from the vans when needed and to heat up the vans and get them going and go and pick up people for Sunday school and, and the church services. Thank you to our drivers. We appreciate you. Blessings on you. Amen. So be a Reuben in these and many other ways that you, that you can think of. Amen. Let me uh, take you to this second truth. Today's message is a little bit different than normal. Second truth that I want to focus on now is this. Sometimes serving and helping people is easy. Many other times we have to be willing to be inconvenienced. Amen? So, I want to be honest with you about this subject matter of serving and helping people. I, I'm sure as I started, some of you thought, oh, well, I know all about this. Very simple. This is a simple message today, Pastor Nick. It's simple, but not so simple. Sometimes it is... Uh, it doesn't take a lot of effort to be a help. Many other times, however, you or I have to be willing to be inconvenienced. We have to be willing to be inconvenienced. And the truth is, in this culture, in this culture, king convenience tends to rule. Stick with me now. Reverend and Mrs. Douglas recently moved here from down in the States. The truth is, down in the U.S., in most places, king convenience also tends to rule, doesn't it, Brother Douglas? So oftentimes, king convenience tends to rule, but king Jesus should rule. King Jesus should rule, and king Jesus' model of servanthood should rule, but sometimes king convenience tends 
to overrule. For some people, some people, they will be in church when it's convenient. Other people will carry out a responsibility if it's convenient. Other people will help with something at home, at work, at school, or at church if it's convenient. The Bible tells us the story of the Good Samaritan, the story of the man who was robbed and beaten up and left for dead on the road. The Good Samaritan was the man who saw the beat-up man, bandaged his wounds, put him on his donkey, and took him to a place to recover, and he paid for the expenses, whatever they were or whatever they were going to be. And there were some others, as many of you know the story, there were some others who passed by the beat-up man earlier. Sadly, it was a, a priest and a Levite, and they didn't stop to help. Do you know why? They were on their way to Jericho and didn't want to be inconvenienced. That's what it boiled down to. Now, I'm sure that because the priest and the Levite men were, were good religious people, they probably, they probably paused to pray and said, Oh, God, help that beaten up man. Send someone to help him. And you know what? Sometimes religious people and Christians can make prayer the biggest cop-out. Now, don't quote me out of context. Sometimes, in addition to prayer, we have to stop and serve and help people. All right? Radio listeners, there was a little applause there. It was weak, but it was, it was there, radio listeners. All right? If you make a commitment to help other people, know that many times you and I will have to be inconvenienced. And you've got to get over it. You've got to get over it. Think upon this third truth. When you serve, when you help people, you serve Jesus. Here is something to remember. This is, this is beautiful. Read uh, together with me Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, verses 35 to 40, where Jesus is speaking, and he says, For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? When? And when we, when we turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. 
When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the next verse says, And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. That's what Jesus said. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Wow. The wonderful Christian leader specialist, Reverend Dr. John Maxwell says, Jesus values people so much that when we serve them, Jesus takes it personally. Isn't that wonderful? He takes it personally. This past week, I happened to listen to a, a Christian message by Dr. John Maxwell entitled, his message was called, How to, How to Have Your Best Ever New Year. How to Have Your Best Ever New Year. It was a message apparently that he presented about a year ago at a, another church. And uh, hopefully some of you have read his book, some of his books on leadership, which are excellent. Towards the end of his message that I listened to, he talked about five things Dr. Maxwell does to serve and help people every day. So I wrote them out because I felt they were so good and helpful to pass them on to you. And here, here are the five truths that Dr. Maxwell repeatedly passes on to people wherever he speaks. The first one is this. Value people. He said, if I don't value people, I'll never add value to them. That's Jesus-like. Value people. As you and I live our lives this year, value people. Value those who sit next to you here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. If you ride the, the buses and the subways, as you see people across from you, smile and appreciate them, value them. As you cross paths with people in the grocery store or wherever you do your shopping, say good afternoon or good, good evening, hi, and express value and just appreciate whether you even say anything. Just have an appreciation for how uniquely made each person is or how young, how old, doesn't matter, but each one has value in the eyes of God. And then secondly, Dr. Maxwell said, think of ways to add value to people. Think of ways to add value to people. John Maxwell said every day he looks at his schedule of who he is going to meet, meet with and asks himself, how can I add value to this person, to this group of people? In other words, he's saying, how, how, can, I, how can I encourage? How can I bless? How can I help lift their burden? How can I be a blessing 
with this person or this family or these, these people that I'm going to be with. And then number three, number three, <clears throat> do things to add value to people. Or look, look for ways. Thank you. Look for ways to add value to people. All right? What can I do to add value to this person or these dear people? Number four. Number four is do things to add value to people. Uh, Dr. Maxwell said at the end of his day, he does a 10-minute inventory of his day, and he asks himself, who did I add value to today? <clears throat> who did I add value to today? That's something I said I, I need to start doing. Maybe you need to start doing so we can better learn how to add value to one another. And number five, number five, <clears throat> Dr. Maxwell said, encourage others to add value to people. Encourage others to add value. He said, if you and I will do these five things, we'll have a great new year. It'll be a whole lot better. Let me take us to a fifth point I want to communicate to us today, and it is this. Sometimes, sometimes when you serve or help someone, you might be the tool <clears throat> that God uses to help a person start to consider putting their faith and trust in Jesus. I want you to think upon this. Recently, I was flying back to Toronto from Miami. And to be honest with you, I wasn't sure whether to tell you or anyone this story. I haven't told my wife. I haven't told anyone. I haven't told anyone. Up, up until now, up until yesterday, really, I thought I wouldn't tell. I wouldn't even tell. But hopefully you'll, hopefully you'll, um, you'll hear this in the right spirit. So anyway, I was flying back from Miami to Toronto. Normally I arrive at, at an airport just barely on time, two to three hours before the flight. How many of you are always arriving real early? How many of you? Well, reasonable number. Congratulations to you. I wish I, wish I could say the same. So anyway, normally I arrive just on time. On that occasion, however, I arrived at the Miami airport about six and a half hours early before the flight back to Toronto. I had planned to listen to our choir CD bass part at the airport on my little compact CD that I bought many years ago. I think it was about $25, $30. You probably have one of those little things, right? Those skinny little CD players with uh, earphones or headphones, whatever you call them. I had ear, earphone things, right? Anyway, so um, I was planning to listen to my bass part so I could better learn it, be better uh, prepared for the choir production for Christmas. 
And uh, that's how I was going to spend uh, four or five hours at the airport. But when I arrived, when I arrived at the Miami airport six and a half hours early, I went to the counter to check in my luggage. As I was minding my own business, I do mind my own business, <laughs> I heard a dear lady at the next airline counter to my right crying, crying and, and pleading with two airline staff members to please book her on some other flights. The two airline staff members kept telling her that their computer system was down and there was absolutely nothing they could do for her and that she had to call the 1-800 airline number directly. Unfortunately, she had missed her original flight. The dear lady said that she was 70 years old and they weren't willing to help her and it was so frustrating for her and the situation got more intense and louder and when I finished at the counter, I didn't mind my own business and I walked over, I walked over to the counter to my right and I said, hi, I, I don't know, I, I don't know what is going on, but is there anything that I can help with the situation here? And the lady said, I, I missed my flight through no fault of my own, and they are not willing to rebook me on another flight. And the airline staff explained to me that normally they would be happy to rebook her or any passenger on the next available flight, but that the computer system was not working and that the only way she could get rebooked was if she phoned the 1-800 number and tried to rebook through the central booking office. The upset lady said she phoned and phoned the 1-800 number, but no one was answering, and she was running out of power on her phone, and she was so tired out. The airline staff insisted there was nothing they could do for her, and I tried to help the dear lady understand that that if they could do something, they would, and they weren't just uh, telling her to get lost. As the lady and I moved away from the counter, she continued to be very upset and tried to explain to me that she arrived at the airport in plenty of time, but that somehow there was an unexpected departure gate change, which she didn't hear about until it was too late. And she told me that she was needing to fly to Istanbul, Turkey for a funeral and that because she missed the Miami flight, she was going to miss two other connecting flights to Istanbul and things were in a real mess, she said. I asked her which airline she was booked with and so I, I phoned. I phoned the 1-800 number with my cell phone. When I finally, when I finally got through, a recorded message said, the waiting time was just over one hour. I was hoping they were exaggerating, but they weren't. I found a, a place to stand beside an electrical outlet so I could plug in my cell phone charger and keep my own cell phone from dying out. As the lady and I waited, waited, we, we couldn't talk very much because I needed to pay attention to the phone in case the airline people answered. It was, it was already hard to hear because of all the airport noise. And as the waiting time uh, approached one hour, I got, I got all excited, excited because I thought only a few more minutes left to go. 
As we waited, I thought, is this going to accomplish anything? Is all this waiting going to accomplish anything? Uh, her tickets cost about 24, 2500 US dollars. And I thought, are they going to demand another 2400 from her? Or will they demand 6000 because it's a last minute booking? I, I, I didn't know what the rules were. I didn't know. I just quietly prayed that something good would happen, whatever it was going to be. Finally, after one hour and how many minutes do you think? One hour and 26 minutes. One hour and 26 minutes, a live airline booking agent answered. And I said, please, if we somehow get cut off, please, can you phone me back? I said, I, uh, I waited one hour, 26 minutes, and it's not your fault. I'm not blaming you. The, su the system is simply overloaded. I was determined not to get disconnected. I explained to the airline booking agent the unfortunate situation with the lady that I had met just over an hour and a half earlier and how she missed her original flight on her way to Istanbul, Turkey. I told the airline person the dear lady was very upset and, and, and could the agent please find, find some other flights to get her to Istanbul for the funeral. I gave her, I gave her the booking numbers of her original flights and the airline agent said, sir, sir, I'm going to have to put you on hold and we'll see what we can do. I thought, oh no, oh no. She put me on hold. And, though, and although I was probably holding only for, I don't know, five to ten minutes, it seemed like another half hour. <laughs> In fact, I wondered if I lost her or if she lost me. And as I waited, I also thought, if there are other flights, how much more indeed is this going to cost this dear woman? Finally, the airline agent came back to, on the line and, and said, sir, there are no other flights we can get her on tonight, today. But I've booked her for tomorrow with only one connection instead of two, and she will be arriving in Istanbul one day later than her original flights. Well, I got all excited and, and told the lady about the, the new potential flights and asked her if they were okay, and fortunately she said, yes, 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 that's good, that's great. And then, and then with fear and trembling, I said to the airline agent, and ma'am, how much more, how much more is this going to cost her? How much more is she going to have to pay? And the airline agent answered, nothing, sir. Nothing, we won't charge her anymore. I cried with joy. I was just as happy as she was. I cried with joy. I blurted out to the exhausted lady, great news, you don't have to pay a cent beyond your original price. And she cried with joy, and I cried, and I praised God. I thanked the airline agent greatly, of course, and the airline agent said she would email the new booking numbers and the new flights to her phone. 
And I, I asked her if she could also tell me the booking numbers. I asked her to tell me the booking numbers and the flights so I, I could write them down in my little book and just in case the email somehow didn't get through to her phone. And from the time, from the time I dialed the 1-800 number, the 1-800 number to the time I finished the call with the airline agent, it probably took about two hours but I was filled with joy over the res results. Amen? When I got off the phone, when I got off the phone, the dear lady said to me, Sir, why would you help me like this? I'm just a stranger to you. What is your name and who are you? So I told her, and I said, I'm Pastor Nick, minister of Rosewood Church of the Nazarene in Toronto, Canada. And she said, wow, for a long time I haven't believed in God. I never thought God cared about me. I never thought God was watching over me. And now you showed up and helped me when I really needed some help. I said to her, God loves you. God hasn't forgotten you. I don't know why this mess happened, but I know that God hasn't forgotten you. In fact, I said, God came to earth in the person of Jesus and showed his greatest his greatest love for you and all of us when he died on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for your sins and mine. And I said to her, I want to encourage you to ask God to forgive you for your sins and for you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. I just want to be honest with you and say she did not she did not make a profession of faith at that point that afternoon but she did say she did say her spiritual interests were greatly revived and i encouraged her to find a, a local church of the nazarene in her city she lived about one and a half to two hours outside of miami i encouraged her to find a local church when she returned from the funeral in Istanbul. And because her flight wasn't until the next day and it was too far for her to go home, I booked her a hotel right, uh, right at the airport. I booked her a hotel room right at the airport, which surprisingly was a, a very reasonably priced. She left, she left uh, to find the hotel at the other end of the airport somewhere and I then proceeded to go through security to my departure gate. Will the incident at the Miami airport have any long-term spiritual impact upon her? I'm praying that it will, but ultimately, only the Lord knows. Only the Lord knows. My friends, whether it is you or me, Let's do as 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says. 
And let me just say, I've stuck fairly close to my notes here because I was concerned that if I didn't, this story could be even longer than it already was. But 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says, Do it. Why don't you read it with me from the big screen? Do it. Let us help others with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, may you help and may you inspire all of us to make real progress this year in this whole area of serving and helping people. Serving and helping people in our own families, in our, in our church, at work, at school, in the community, in the, in the grocery store, wherever, Lord, an opportunity arises where we can be your ambassadors, where we can, we can be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Use us, Lord, throughout this new year. We read, Lord, of how Jesus said, when you do it to one of the least of these, you do it unto me. Oh, Lord, work in all of our lives to enable us to progress in this beautiful, beautiful way of serving and helping. We thank you for Reuben in the Bible account of how he, he took definite steps to try to help his own brother Joseph. Thank you for the Reubens of our Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family. Thank you for the blessing that they've been in the past, in the present, and in the future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.